letter eleven of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter eleven and this same sadness at first underlay our married life i was perfectly content so far as my own lot was concerned for me our marriage was all pure gain i did my work as usual and then instead of the gloomy parlour of my bachelor days i returned to a love-bright home but it pained me to see that my wife was not happy and yet how could it be otherwise this was not the life of which we had spoken in the days of our betrothal this lodging-house parlour and bedroom this solitude and separation i at the museum she in utter loneliness this it was which troubled her not our poverty she did not care for books and was not a musician she had no intellectual resources and could not amuse herself when she was alone as the wife of a curate she would have been in her proper sphere she loved the sick and the poor and all old people and children she loved all who were helpless and in want and spent much of her time by cottage bedsides and by the armchairs of the aged placed out in the sun but in london none of these kindly occupations came within her life and she had no gossip with female acquaintances none of those little gregarious pleasures which women think more of than men perhaps can understand then her health was shattered and often i saw her looking mournfully on her thin neck and emaciated arms once only i alluded to her illness she blushed and hid her head in my breast and said that only women knew how to love then she burst into tears but save on this occasion i never saw her give way to sadness i inferred rather than perceived the sorrow at her heart for in my presence she was cheerful and vivacious i gave up my book hours and read only now and then at odd moments my evenings belonged to margaret and were spent in playing at chess draughts etc or in conversation when you were born my dear child we found our lodgings rather small for a baby takes up a good deal of room but we determined not to increase our expenses for we had no expectations from my father who had not answered the letter in which i informed him of my marriage nor from hers the guardsman continued his extravagance till at last mr jameson summoned up courage to declare that he should not have another farthing unless he sold out captain jameson asked his father what a damned tradesman like him meant talking that way to an officer in her majesty's guards but finally the matter was compromised by his exchanging into a cavalry regiment i must now beg you to suppose that four years had elapsed since our marriage i was engaged by jansen and haines in compiling notices of the obscure names in a classical dictionary which was intended to supersede lempriere at that time alone in the field margaret was also engaged on a work of education the arrival of miss ellen mordaunt into our social circle was a most fortunate event my dear wife had now all that she wished for she was never lonely being never alone and was perfectly happy and contented she often said if our life had few pleasures it had also few cares and that if we were rich we should always be anxious and fretful about some trifle or another and we had one very great pleasure every summer we spent a fortnight at limmerley on the east coast a lawyer from that little town with his wife and daughter once took the drawing-room floor in the house where we lodged and we happened to make their acquaintance they saw that margaret was in delicate health and suggested a trip to the seaside and placed their house at our disposal for a fortnight 
saying they should be glad to have some one there who would take care of the furniture garden etc the same arrangement was repeated the next year and the next the irvines always went away for two or three weeks in the summer and then we took our holiday one sunday margaret came to me with her eyes cast down and said blushing a little that she had a favour to ask would i go to church with her that morning i said that i would go to church with her as often as she pleased and we always went together after that dear margaret she had secret hopes that i might be converted and used to glance anxiously at me when the preacher alluded to infidelity she was much perplexed by my long and fervent devotions in the morning and the evening for she could not understand how one could worship god and yet not be a christian but we never discussed matters of religion well as i said we had been four years married and margaret was happy then came the great calamity captain jameson had soon obtained an evil reputation in his regiment the passion for gambling of the last generation was already in its decline and a man was looked upon with disfavour who carried dice in his pocket and held out a pack of cards like a pistol to every one who called upon him at his quarters moreover ugly stories got afloat the colonel warned young cornets against him and he withdrew from the guards club not it was said without pressure from within in fact captain jameson was not only a thoroughly unscrupulous gambler but also tout or agent to a famous west end usurer into whose toils he decoyed many a young officer receiving a commission on his ruin this commission was so small and the destruction of future prospects and happiness so great that it was really like burning down a friend's house to roast an apple but what did he care he was one of those men who are quite insensible to the suffering they cause and are never troubled with qualms of any kind either before or after an event however his career was suddenly brought to a close and he involved others in his fall a young subaltern was heavily in debt and wished to raise a large sum of money his father was immensely rich and jameson having reported the case by letter to his principal received his instructions he told lieutenant smith as i will call him that he could have the eight thousand pounds whenever he pleased his note of hand would be sufficient but as it was pure speculation on the part of the people in london it would have to be paid for accordingly this of course the man of great expectations did not mind in the least and asked captain jameson to go up to town and arrange the transaction giving him the note of hand and full authority to act on his behalf captain jameson obtained the eight thousand pounds and his commission went to crockford's to gamble with the latter and lost it and then lost the eight thousand pounds lieutenant smith wisely wrote to his father and confessed all in consequence of which captain jameson shortly afterwards wrote to his father and informed him that unless eight thousand pounds were produced within a few days the matter would go to the c c c in other words he would be charged with felony arrested tried and no doubt transported for the same mr jameson's late foreman and the family lawyer and myself held counsel together it was found that stillbrook had been sold that mr jameson no longer possessed eight thousand pounds that the sale of his son's commission was not a sufficient addition and that to make up that sum it would be necessary for me to contribute my stock of money in the funds i did not hesitate for a moment my wife's family was mine and the sacrifice was made 
a few days afterwards the jamesons father and son the foreman and i met together at the lawyers in lincoln's inn fields it had been made a stipulation with the captain that he should emigrate and measures had been taken to prevent him from evading this arrangement the lawyer read out the accounts then there is nothing left over said the foreman only this twenty pound note which will pay for captain jameson's passage to australia and buy him a rope when he gets there said the lawyer or perhaps the colony will save him that expense captain jameson took the money and retired mr jameson looked from one to another with a bewildered air did you say there was nothing left mr lawyer nothing left of all that money i earned i worked hard for it gentlemen i was up early and late i never wasted an hour i was honest in all my dealings yes yes poor bob has spent it all then he looked round at us again how said he am i to live i was of course prepared with an answer to this question and had taken a bedroom for him at home but the foreman said come my dear kind old master come and live with me then he turned to me and said excuse us sir for taking your place but you have done enough he rose and went out and my poor father-in-law tottered after him holding his hand he died in a few months and captain jameson was shot in a gambling-house in sydney soon after his arrival for something equivalent to what is called welching on the turf it would have been better perhaps to have kept our money and left him to his fate and yet i am sure we acted on the right principle for he might have reformed he might have become an honest hard-working man and even acquired a fortune in novels the air of australia has a wonderfully restorative effect on the characters of emigrants and sometimes no doubt it is so in real life margaret said that he had great natural ability and he must have had some qualities to make him the friend of fitzclarence but the passion for play quickly depraves a man what are the pleasures of society or culture to those who have sat knee-deep in cards and played night and day without intermission gambling is the most dangerous of vices because its excitements are incomparable and are followed by no reaction it ruins but it does not satiate we now lived from hand to mouth but i was not alarmed and there seemed no reason for alarm thousands of married persons were in a position not less precarious it was in fact the ordinary lot i was earning a hundred and fifty pounds a year and knew i could get copying and translating to do for such work had been offered to me by other readers at the museum and in fact before long i was fully employed but the work was miserably paid and was often required in haste my evenings were no longer devoted to margaret i had to write 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 from morning to midnight or even to the following dawn thus by immense efforts i was able to make two pounds a week when job work was slack i tried my hand at literary composition and wrote about twenty essays on social and literary subjects which i dropped into editors boxes but none of them ever appeared in print so i confined myself to the manual labour of the scribe we were still fifty pounds short of our previous income and margaret had to practise the mean little arts of economy the saving and hashing the scraps of one meal for another and so forth i hate extravagance and waste but it seems to me that this kind of thrift is apt to make the mind sordid and money paramount my dear said i to her one day there are two kinds of poverty when we had three hundred pounds a year if we had taken a house we should have found it difficult to make both ends meet 
but you were content with these bachelor lodgings and money never troubled us in one sense of the word we were poor but as a matter of fact we lived easily on a small scale well now we are poor our regular expenses are too much for our income and so we have to scrape and stint in little matters and think of pennies at every hour of the day we have lost fifty pounds a year and ought to reduce our expenses by living in a more humble way at first we may find it hard to give up those little comforts to which we have been long accustomed but habit will soon make us happy without them and there will be an end to all this petty trouble and anxiety margaret had grown fond of our dingy rooms and was sorry to leave them it was there we had spent our honeymoon and there you were born however she assented at once as she did to all that i proposed but a misfortune postponed our departure and then rendered it no longer a question of choice and free will alas i had said there were two kinds of poverty we had soon to learn by terrible experience that there were other kinds the horrors of which may not be cannot be fully described a part only of the truth i shall unfold end of letter eleven recording by expatriate in bangor maine